If you would stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel this morning is from the 18th chapter of Luke. Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself with these words, God, I thank you that I am not like everyone else, crooks, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look toward heaven. Rather, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. So when I read this parable from Luke, if I have any desire at all to move forward on my sanctifying journey to become more like Christ our Master, then I'm forced to pause and examine which of the two players in this parable I resemble most. When we read this parable, do we identify more with the Pharisee or the tax collector? See, the Pharisees fancied themselves to be the fine, upstanding pillars of the community. They prided themselves on having the proper manners and the proper clothes. They prided themselves on being the model citizens and the model attendees in their local synagogue. They sought after the best seats in the temple, places where they could see everything that went on so that later they could chastise anyone who dared act in a manner they didn't like. Anyone who didn't follow their rules. Anyone who didn't measure up to their arbitrary expectations. Now, to be sure, they were knowledgeable in the law. They followed the rules and made up new ones to cover every possible situation. They carried themselves with haughtiness and prideful arrogance, and they looked down their noses in disgust at anyone that was not like them, most especially a tax collector. See, the tax collector was regarded by Pharisees to be the lowest of the low. 
collecting taxes for the Roman government, making their living by increasing the tax to cover their own personal compensation. And this particular tax collector in Jesus' parable seemed to know exactly who and what he was. He knew his, his situation. He knew his station in life. He seemed to know his status in the eyes of the community. But more importantly, he seemed to know his fallen and broken nature. And he was humble. And he was remorseful. And he recognized that he was in need of mercy. He recognized he was in need of grace and he knew that it couldn't, that it wouldn't come from the Pharisees or the priests. It could only come from God. And so he cries out, God be merciful to me, a sinner. So I ask again, which of these, the Pharisee or the tax collector, do you most resemble? Are you the Pharisee? Are you the lowly tax collector? Are you the self-exalted keeper of the arbitrary rules? The self-righteous critic of the congregation? The self-appointed judge of the community? Or are you the humble, the merciful, the gracious person to those around you? And I think most of us, if we're honest, know who we are. And I think many of us have a little bit of both, the Pharisee and the lowly tax collector within us. And we vacillate between the two depending on the day, depending on the circumstances, depending on how we felt when we got up this morning. A community of faith is made up of members. And because of that, I think it's fair to say that the prevailing culture and attitude of the local church make up the overall impression and impact that a church has on the community it serves, or at least resides in if it's failing to serve. And I think it's also fair to say that a successful church is a humble church. A church not made up of Pharisees, but of humble people seeking to bring the light and the truth and acceptance to those who cross its thresholds. A humble church sets itself aside for the uplifting and advancement of Christ in the community. I want to tell you a story about a church. A little church called Barton Creek, Barton Creek United Methodist Church. 
It's a small rural church in a small community in the Midwest. It's about 30 miles outside of Indianapolis. See, this church was established in the early 1970s. And its congregation was composed largely of the original founders and local people in the community of the Barton Creek area. Now, this church had several outreach ministries to the poor in Barton Creek. And the congregation felt good about their efforts in helping those people with food drives and school supply collections and the annual Trunk or Treat Festival. And occasionally those people would visit the church on Sunday. But with no children's programs or regular nursery help, those people would soon move on to other churches or no church at all. And that suited the Barton Creek regulars just fine because those people were really not part of our church family anyway. Well, when Barton Creek Church celebrated its 10th anniversary, things began to change. There was a developer and he built a large planned community near Barton Creek. And young families, young professionals who worked in Indianapolis but preferred to live outside the city and raise their kids away from all the urban stuff. Well, they began to visit Barton Creek United Methodist looking for a church home. And almost as if it just happened overnight, it seemed that the rather quiet, traditional worship services began to take on a different flavor as the sound of babies crying and children talking and running around the church and the teenagers laughing began to fill the sanctuary and the fellowship hall more and more frequently. And so several of the new families approached the pastor and the church leadership about beginning a children's program and a youth group and creating a nursery. But their ideas were met with resistance. Because many of the old guard had complained that the way they had always done church was in danger of being lost to something new and different. One could hear things being said like those people don't follow the rules. They can't even control their kids. The church is a mess with crayons ground into the carpet and on the chairs. They let their kids take communion. How does a kid know anything about communion? There is no way I can concentrate on what the pastor is saying with all the noise and distractions going on during the service. With all of these teenagers, the next thing you know, there'll be drums and guitars and we won't be able to worship God the way He intended. 
And so by the time the church reached its 15th year, the word had gotten around the Barton Creek Plan Development Community. Don't bother with Barton Creek United Methodist. Your children are not welcome there. By year 20, things at Barton Creek United Methodist were pretty much as they had always been. The large non-denominational church that went in about 1987 had grown to a regular Sunday attendance of 700 or more. Barton Creek United Methodist, on the other hand, could no longer sustain a full-time pastor and became part of a three-charge circuit with a pastor coming through every third Sunday to minister to the congregation. And still, the congregation was content with the status quo. And then at year 30, the church's members had dwindled and the outreach ministries had stopped due to insufficient resources and not enough membership. And you could count the membership on two hands. And then in the 37th year, the church closed its doors for good. Today, the property where Barton Creek United Methodist Church stood, built to the glory of God, is a Sam's Club parking lot. Barton Creek United Methodist Church is long forgotten, and the truth be told, not even missed because of the little impact they had on the community. Now, when I read that account, I thought, that's not us. That's not who we are. And then the Holy Spirit put this gospel in the lectionary for such a time as this. And I had to think, what kind of church are we really? Are we Pharisees? Or are we humble tax collectors? Are we Barton Creek United Methodist? Or are we the humble church living out our missional purpose as the body of Christ in motion in our community? And if we're honest, we have to admit that sometimes we have one foot in mission. And the other time, we have our foot right in the middle of the deepest part of Barton Creek. Now, while that realization may come with a bit of a sting, the good news is that the direction we take from here is up to us. We can choose to be the humble, accepting, missional church. We can be a force for Christ in this community. It's not too late for us like it is for Barton Creek. And the thing is, we are not alone in this conference. I have talked to many pastors. I have talked to ones that are the single pastor on a three-charge circuit who wonder when they get up each Sunday morning if they'll be preaching to an empty church. 
There are many churches across this country faced with this same choice. And this prevailing culture out there is one of secular humanism. And the church is not the Sunday morning gathering place that it once was. The worship of God has taken a back seat to other Sunday activities. And the rest of the week is equally undevoted to the things of God. But there is hope. For humanity. There is hope for the church. Because the model for church success is available to us in the word of God. And we have to remember that we the people, the followers of Christ, are in fact the church. Not these walls which we often use to insulate and separate us. From the world. The Gospel of Luke tells us, and the author of the Gospel of Luke tells us in Act 2 what posture we should take as the church in the midst of this culture that is hostile to the will of God. In Acts 2, he writes, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple... They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. We often wonder what our mission is. The book of discipline of the United Methodist Church is clear about what our mission is. Do you have that slide, Bobby? That's okay. That's okay. The mission. Let me just read it to you. The mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. 
Sounds a lot like our mission statement, doesn't it? Local churches provide the most significant arena through which disciple-making occurs. The mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world by proclaiming the good news of God's grace and by exemplifying Jesus' command to love God and neighbor, thus seeking the fulfillment of God's reign and realm in the world. That's the church's official position on the mission. I encourage you to go into the discipline if you can find it. You can get it online. There's a copy in the office. Read the mission statement in its entirety. If the mission of the church as it's written in the official position, in the discipline, if that's not clear enough an outline of what the local church's responsibility is, then maybe we can start from a much simpler place. And when we do that, let's take a step out of the middle of Barton Creek. Let's make a move toward being that humble church in service to our community. Let's start small and do one thing exceptionally well. Let's build a reputation for this one thing in Splendora and surrounding community. And let's start with a simple message from the Gospel of Matthew. And let's make this be our mission. Matthew 19, verse 13. Then little children were being brought to him in order that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them, and Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. Do you want the kingdom to grow in splendor? Never mind the seats in the church. Do you want the kingdom of God to grow in splendor? Then allow the children to come to him and do not stop them. If you get a reputation as the people who love God's children, no matter how young or old they are, there won't be any stopping people coming through that door. It makes all the difference. It surely made the difference to Barton Creek. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.